0: Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit. My name is Sean and this is episode 159. I'm going to hand you over to my co-host and cousin, Ronan.
1: That was a bit laboured, but I like it. and very (laughs) polite. Hey everyone, you're most welcome to The Game Pit, a podcast about modern tabletop gaming. But although I say modern, Sean, today definitely has a retro feel to it.
0: It really does. So what Roland thought we were doing for 10 years (laughs) or something, it's our second annual attempt at going back for 10 years. So hold on, that
1: was a confusing joke because this list is from 10 years ago. So I was sitting there and I knew Uh, what joke you were making. So so how does that, do you want to?
0: No, okay, uh, let's just quickly move on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, good, all right. I thought we'd done this a load of times, but we haven't. This is only the second time we've done it. We're going back 10 years ago, and we're doing a top 10 of games from 10 years ago. The idea being that these are the ones that have really, you know, that they have stuck the test of time for us to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to run through our top 10s, uh, maybe a few near misses at the end, and then we'll probably have a little chat about how good the year was with, that we felt. And I think we've already realised that we're going to disagree slightly on that.
1: Well, we might as well do it now then. It wasn't that great a year. I think it was an amazing year. (laughs) (laughs) This, I thought I would have more better games and I would say that in terms of actually great games, three. My number 10, I think, is a fantastic game. You're just easier than me. Now, I'm going to throw this to you, right? I started playing games about 2000 well modern games obviously 2007 2008 i think this was about the time that i started getting you into it would it be about right
0: Mm, yeah yeah maybe a year before or, or so but yeah around about this time and yeah there is don't get me wrong there is some nostalgia in there there are games that i do know are flawed in my list but that I still love because I loved them so much back then so that is definitely present
1: so are we getting a nostalgic list or an actual list of great games I think we're getting an actual list of great games I think
0: most of these I still play or at least I'm hankering to
1: play (laughs) you (laughs) are setting me up to be mean about your picks and I was like don't try not to be mean about his picks but you're forcing me to do it before you even said a word I'm not
0: forcing you to do anything (laughs) this is all you baby
1: (laughs) Uh, my meanness is going to come through. I quite enjoy it. let no, no you, <laughs> you thrive <Okay>. on it. <laughs> well, we'll let we'll let our listeners be the judge of whether the 2011 was a good year or not. No, it was. A, it was a. It wasn't a terrible year. There's no year is terrible. I just no. when I thought of 2011, and I thought back, I went, oh, there's going to be some amazing games there, and all of these are very good, but not a top tier year, but near. I hold it dear
0: oh i like that i like that
1: good should i crack on so
0: i for your list i have a fear
1: yeah yeah well you know what my one is anyway let's go number <laughs> 10 rune age it's <laughs> it's just my turn rune age is a deck builder from fantasy flight games and this was their take on taking a deck but doing something more with it so dominion had been around for three years by this point and this comes up a couple of times whereby it seems to have made a revival now where deck building is getting mixed in as a mechanism this was almost like deck building was the main mechanism and they were mixing in different things to do with it which is a slight twist on what's happening in, in some of recent games in terms of rune age itself each player was a particular faction that faction would have their own cards they could get and their mixed cards. And then one of the huge things about Rune Ages that is massively, massively flexible, it can be... uh it's hugely confrontational straight out fight it can work as a two player game it works as a four player game it can be a fully cooperative experience which it can be impossible and also there's things in between where you can have sort of goals that aren't directly competitive it is a competitive game but you're not having to destroy each other and in a small box it was very innovative each faction feels a bit different and Rune Age is a really good game and one that we need to get back to the table sure.
0: Yep, that one was on my sort of eleven to twenty list for sure, and it it kind of, it almost made the list. It's one of those games I'm holding on to. I haven't played for a long time, but I just won't get rid of because I know that there is beauty in the in that box. And yeah, as you said, the factions made it for me. They all all played slightly different, but they made sense about how they
1: played as well. So
0: yeah, that's a good choice, Ronan.
1: As long as you accept the trope fantasy. Different factions yeah, make sense. Yeah. They made sense. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you're number 10.
0: So my number 10, I'm almost sure is going to feature higher in your list, Ronan. It's Rhino Hero, or as you insist on calling it, Zulparino.
1: Zulparino. Uh,
0: coming from Habba, family game where you're stacking cards and and playing cards to make that harder for each other. And when that big tower of cards topples, everyone roars. Zulparino. And yeah, wonderful family game, loads of fun, always a spectacle. People standing on chairs to get those higher cards on, trying not to knock the table. Loads of fun in that tiny little package.
1: You and me <laughs> 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 nothing
0: so well, I suppose. <laughs> we won't. But this there. is the
1: top ten of the year, and who would include kids' games in a top ten short? Honestly, you. My number nine is another card game, another asymmetric card game. But This is two-player specific with an Old West theme, and it's called Revolver. In Revolver, one player played the lawmen, if you like, although the morals were very grave. You started studying the cards. And another player played the outlaws. And there were two different ways of winning. And you were basically going across different locations, playing down cards, judging how hard to go each time. And the Outlaws had a bunch of members of their of their gang and the, the lawmen were basically trying to knock them out to get to the end, dude. Uh, whereas the Outlaws were trying to get to the end and get onto the train and leave. You had to really react to the other players' play. It wasn't a deck build, it was a set deck that each player had, but it obviously came out in a different order each time. There was a uh, thing within there where you could go for an insta win and really gamble and go really hard because if you thought you had the right run of cards in your hand but if that other person was able to just survive through it, it could create a tipping point and what really makes Revolver a, a fantastic game for me is the narrative within each overall play you'd learn the narrative when you learn the decks but It didn't get worse once you knew the decks. Actually, then the sort of mini-narratives took over, and each player of a card became more important. It was a lunchtime game for me and Colin, my friend at work, and we really dug deep into Revolver, and it's my number nine for 2011.
0: Honestly, I don't think I've ever played Revolver, Ronan, and I don't know much about it, so... That's my expert commentary on
1: Revolver. <laughs> I played it so much, I got rid of it, and now I'm a bit gutted I got rid of it, and I wish I could get it back again. So I might keep an eye out for Revolver. I might, Maybe I'll go on board game prices. Sean, tell us your number nine. I'm looking up the price of Revolver.
0: <laughs> you do that. So my number nine is Elder Sign from Fantasy Flight. It's a, a dice allocation game where you are obviously in the Cthulhu universe, uh, or the based off the, off the side of Arkham Horror, etc., uh, Lovecraft, that's the name I was trying to to, try to grasp out of the in here. Uh, it's As a master of it, I uh, thought that would yeah. be on
1: the tip of your tongue.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, you'd think so. It's all about those allocating dice to do various tasks around the museum and you're trying to close down... Uh, the various gates from opening and stop the world from being enveloped by the great evil just a a, a tactical dice game with lots of theme and lots of pressure on you to to achieve things yes it can go horribly wrong just through bad luck but i think a little bit of planning is needed as well if you are to succeed and i've always enjoyed it i think maybe the the app took it took away from my physical plays of this game i still play the app to, to this day haven't actually broken out the box in a while but it's still high on my list.
1: I really like Elder Sign. It's one of the games that I played solo quite a few times, which doesn't happen that often with me. Uh, it was the right level of complexity and time to the effort you were putting in. Uh, the odd game would become a little bit of a grind, but that's a very minor complaint. So it's not in my top 10, but I guess it would be one of your near misses. I didn't write down my near misses. So Elder Sign's my near miss, Sean.
0: Sure. <laughs> Thanks, Roland.
1: Okay, you're welcome. Now, my number eight, I know Sean's going to get excited about, and I expect to hear about it later, I imagine, because you're a big fan of Star Trek. I am. And being so swift of foot, and also, I believe, a ranked military officer, you are, in fact, a fleet captain. (laughs) I have been described as such. (laughs) What did we hear from that rugby player at the weekend about why we should be the quickest men in Britain?
0: Oh, because we put more power into the ground.
1: It's all about the amount of force that goes into the ground. Yeah. how fast you go when you run. (laughs) Sean and I looked at each other like, why why are we not? Why
0: are we not, like, lapping Usain Bolt? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. Usain Bolt's going to be at that Arnie thing I sent you in Birmingham in October, by the way.
0: Yes, I meant to respond to that, but I didn't because I don't like you.
1: I'll just do it on the podcast then. Sean. Let's go to that Arnie <laughs> thing, man. This can be even on the It's GSP. a thing.
0: No, no, no. Let's let's get this right. It's a it's a whole event based around fitness, and if we bowl in there, we are going to look
1: very very in, silly in rash guards <laughs> and shorts, <laughs> pure lycra,
0: everything in spandex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to it. It's in your home city. You're going to it. We're going to it. Okay. <laughs> Star Trek Fleet Captains is actually my number eight game for 2011. Now, what Star Trek Fleet Captains captures for me of the essence of Star Trek is the exploration. There's a whole bunch of hexes laid out, and you're, when you go to me, flip them over, you really don't know what you're going to get. The fact that you can win without going after combat goals, but if you don't have any combat capability, you will likely lose and get crushed at some point. And that's kind of... It feels Star Trek in me. The combat's not the focus, but you have to be aware of it. It kind of feels old-school epic to me. Not epic in that you're going to be playing the game for four hours and you'll be wading through rules, but epic in terms of the scope of things going on and the possibilities, but actually the actions are quite simple. It's what you do with your actions that are going to count in the end. And I have to mention, Sean, I think I'm contracted at this stage every time Star Trek Fleet Captains comes up to mention the six-player team game I once played with the three factions, two of us playing Noted Game Designer. Dean Morris now. There you go. He was my partner in that game. Uh, And that was just one of the best experiences ever playing a board game. So, Star Trek Fleet Captains works two player, works three player, works in team game. And it's not the tightest experience ever, but it's a real epic Star Trek feel to it without being massively long.
0: Yeah, it's all right. I might talk a little bit about it later.
1: Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Okay. <laughs> What's your number eight?
0: My number eight, this is one of the ones that I would look if I had to point at the ones that kind of are living in that nostalgia zone in my mind. And it's Game of Thrones, the board game, second edition from Fantasy Flight. I just remember having some wonderful, wonderful games of this. Just a really tight tactical mean, which is unusual for me. Area control with that Game of Thrones theme as before, like all the all the it all blew up with the TV
1: series. Is that you looking down over the newer fans there? No, I was actually a fan
0: of the, the TV series, and I'm glad to see it grow and rise and for other people to get the love that we we maybe once had for it, Ronan. <laughs> uh,
1: not the TV series, <laughs> actually, I thought I liked TV series for first like three and then wah, woo, I it
0: really went off. I liked it until about three quarters of the way through the final season, and then it just turned into nonsense. No,
1: it turned way before that. <laughs> if you went back and rewatched those last three seasons, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this was turning. This was living on the reputation of the past. I, I guarantee <laughs> you. I liked it most at the point where the two showrunners bought me a beer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I always look at it. It's still something, I think is better than most TV shows. Yes, I'm critical of it because it doesn't live up to some of the expectations I had, but I th- still think it's a, a very, very good TV show. But anyway, okay. we're talking about well, I'm critical here.
1: of it because it's actually a really bad TV show <laughs> for about half of its run. And I'm not talking about expectations, I'm not talking about Game of Thrones. It became terrible. The whole Battle of the Bastards was just complete nonsense. There was one dude standing in front of it. There's a load of things I could go into. Trust me, that's not going to hold up those last few seasons. Anyway, Game of Thrones, the board game, really enjoyed it. Uh, I've said it before. It started getting played very seriously at London on board, and people became super, super good at it, and I just couldn't keep up with them, and I was getting destroyed, and I was getting told off for being rubbish. And it did have that ability where, due to players' choices, a player could be all but eliminated, and there's not a lot they could do about it. But at the end of the day, it provided such a unique experience that it was just outside my top 10 as well. You're creating my nemesis for me. I like this. <laughs> Normally, due to pure egotry, if, if you got chucked out very early. Oh, no, no. I, don't, I can't agree with that. <laughs> it could just happen to you. That game could be brutal.
0: Okay, go on there, Rodan. You're number seven.
1: Oh, Sean, I'm so. I've been torn about this game for 10 years and I'm still torn about it. And it's made my number seven Lord of the Three Rings, the oh. living card game. Oh,
0: oh. Tell, them, tell them about the last pack.
1: <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs>
0: You've got to do so, it now. You've got to do it now.
1: I bought it when it was brand new, played it, hated it, sold it. Bought it again a couple of years later, played it, eh, it was okay, sold it again, and then I got half of a job lot at an auction whereby uh, John Day, friend of mine, he wanted sort of the the third or fourth cycle or whatever, and I wanted the first or second level, we went halvesies, and then I started getting into it, and I've played it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and I have so much content for it. I will never, ever, ever, ever play with 90% of all that I have because I'm very bad at it and I build a deck and I just do the same mission again and again trying to beat the mission and I don't even play with proper rules. I play with easy rules and I'm still terrible at it. In terms of the game itself, uh, you'll be mentioning the pack now is that I decided to stop collecting it. It turns out they only ever made one more cycle after that so I could have just carried on to the end but I thought I had the sixth pack of the penultimate cycle and I don't. So now it just I was happy with it being incomplete if I missed the whole cycle. But the fact that I'm missing one pack of a cycle is like I can't cope with it, it's killing me. I can't find that pack and I can, I found it in um French and I found it in Portuguese.
0: <laughs> that would kill me. I'd I'd lose sleep over that. I have
1: been losing sleep. You're the one who brought it up. Okay. In terms of Lord of the Rings the Living Card Game, I love the Living Card Living Card Game format. I'm a big fan of them. They'll keep coming up again and again. Um, I love cooperative, complicated card game like this. In terms of Lord of the Rings, they have taken that idea. They have built Arkham Horror the LCG, which is my favourite of all the lot, and although they've done a Marvel as well now. But what I was trying to think what would bring me back to Lord of the Rings and why is it still in my number seven for the year when it has been changed upon and adapted in those ways and and in some ways approved upon. And what I'd have to say is that I think they got the feeling of Lord of the Rings right now. I want them to have, because we just talking about Game of Thrones as a fanboy, be Lord of the Rings fanboy as well. But in terms of the artwork, but also in the way that there is a sense of doom And there is a sense of this is really hard and we are actually just three dwarves, hobbits, men, elves, whatever, against a whole army of darkness and it kind of has to fall right for it to work out. And that feeling of doom and the atmosphere is what keeps me coming back to Lord of the Rings living card game. So there you go, it's my number seven for 2011.
0: So I had a very similar start to the journey in that I bought it when it was fairly new and hated it and sold it. And that's where it ended, Ronan.
1: It was a somewhat curtailed epic journey (laughs) for you. It was
0: a curtailed epic journey. And to be honest, it put me off at trying Arkham Horror the card game for a long, long time. As you well know, I've had the starter set for ages and ages sitting there and shrink. And I recently actually tried it and I really, really enjoyed it. And I think I blame Lord of the Rings for that, because Lord of the Rings just felt too convoluted, too hard, just too much work. But
1: I Lord of the Rings to... was an essay in the craft, Sean.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. So I'm glad I'm now playing Arkham, but I don't ever want to play Lord of
1: the Rings again. I'm also recreating a shot from the animated version for you
0: by doing that <laughs> in my webcam, <laughs> but that's just for you, and can you. Can you do your famous Gandalf? Gandalf! Grindel- <laughs> Gandalf! Grindel- <laughs> Grindel-
1: <laughs> you got to watch the Ralph Bakshi to get that one, people, but Theoden was never better. You're number seven, sure. My number seven,
0: Ronan. Uh, we're just having a, a chat about it. I forgot
1: it was... to make a joke there. It was in my head and I meant to make it when you finished, by the way. Go on, then. You know that they, they, there was a fifth Hobbit that did the very start of the journey and never got any further? That's all I'm saying. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Carry on. <laughs> Your number seven. So, yeah my number 7
0: I was just literally having a conversation with my wife about it and it turns out she hates it and I'm quite upset because I was talking about it and it's blood bowl team manager from fantasy flight I've always really really enjoyed the blood bowl world but never quite taken by the the miniatures game and actually blood bowl itself so this was a window into that world for me and then the game just worked really well as an asymmetric two-player game or more, but usually we'd play two-player and you're building a slight element of building up your team and your tableau of cards, bringing new players in uh, to play for you. And yeah, I just it just worked really well as one of those asymmetric games that I think are really, really hit and miss for me. Sometimes I, I really like them but on this occasion, but there's so many other games that they just don't work. The balance isn't right or the theme isn't right or the, it's too convoluted or it's not enough there. This one hit hit the right spot for me, Ronan.
1: You're just, again, you're just fiddling up my new misses. (laughs) You're right. It's a really good game. And I did see something recently. There's a fella that does loads of blog posts on uh, on Board Game Geek, and he was talking about Blood Bowl Team Manager. And, do you know, he talked about something that I hadn't even noticed was an issue. But, you know, the star player, when you get a star player, if you draw one that matches your team, it's great. But you can draw like a brand other different one. Is that right? Yeah, kind of like a neutral one. I think that he played the house where you just have a deck of your own star players. Right. And if you get someone, you draw from there. And he said it helps it feel a bit. It was just something to consider that I read. Blood Bowl team manager is really good. I do think it's better with more than two, though.
0: Oh, maybe. I have always. I think I've only ever played it with two, to be honest. Though. I've always associated it with two-player play. We
1: played it a few times, two-player, didn't we? Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Cool. We're banging on about card games. And we're gonna, I'm going to bring another one in for us. Number six for me is... Core Worlds. Ooh. And I mentioned the idea of deck building plus previously, and here it comes up again. And Core Worlds is the idea that there's a, a galactic empire collapsing, as you imagine the fall of any empire, a bit galactic or not. And we are outside forces rushing in basically and taking over the outside world and moving our way into the core worlds at the heart of the empire and we're getting more and more powerful units which explains thematically how we're deck building and we're also conquering planets and we can uh, once you play with sort of more uh, tools, you can garrison your weaker units on the planets that you take and you build up energy and you build up money and become more powerful and there's a kickstart recently for it for a solo expansion and then an unrelated other than thematically worker placement game and there was talk about it which shows that Core Worlds has survived in people's minds because I haven't ever played a game that does deck building in this sort of a fashion where there's a very tight draft where you very much have to take after 10 rounds of the game you have to take certain rounds out Scoring points And gaining things In order to build up To to launch again And you can see All the end game Worlds that are going To be available And you really have To plan ahead for them And you're not Cycling your card Loads and loads It's it's not a huge deck And it's an interesting Tight Thinky Two to three hour Euro game But all based around a, A deck building system and I think it's a very very clever game. The only besmirchment on it is it's a bit player count fragile, and it can really affect rounds. And they did bring in advanced rules again to change that. If you got the first expansion, don't bother with the second expansion. It wasn't any good. But there you go, Core cool world my number six. Just to interest, Before I get
0: onto it, <laughs> this is
1: this is another game
0: where we both kind of made slight faux pas with with the components. Ronan, wasn't it, wasn't this the one where you were missing the board?
1: From Essen? Ah, uh, I remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it wasn't well, the expansion, it was the actual game itself. What happened was the second time I went to Essen, first time I went, I just brought all the boxes back, like I hadn't touched them, I hadn't opened them, and obviously it took out a load of space. The second time I did the trick of opening games and punching them, and then fitting them all into each other, and fitting smaller games into bigger games and stuff like that, only... When I was putting smaller games in with bigger games and expansions and stuff, I didn't bag anything up. Everything got mixed up. so uh, I opened my a copy of well, I think it was cool words, and I wrote an email to Stephen Bonacore saying what's going on with this what's I, don't even, I don't even know what this component's from how did it possibly get in here and he wrote uh, and, and he wrote back going this is very confusing how can <laughs> you possibly get like a, a ship component in your course like a naval ship and then obviously I worked out of it so I mixed everything up together like a complete idiot it took me weeks to sort out but thanks for uh, reminding me of a dark so I, day
0: I, I, had a, I had a worse one I called Stephen Bonacore a liar. And uh, I, I bought Call cool Worlds after playing it with you. So obviously I liked it. And I was—I thought I was missing a card. And so I, I sent off an email to Stronghold. Mr. Bonacore responded saying, "That can't possibly, if you've got that deck of cards, it was right in the middle. You can't possibly not have it. Check the box. I'm sure it's there. And I was like, Are you calling me a liar, Mr. Bonacore? <laughs> So he sent the card, and about a week later, I found it tucked in the side of the box.
1: Well, wow, that's covered us in glory. What, should, <laughs> what do you think about Core Worlds? <laughs>
0: I think Core Worlds is a really, really good game. The reason it didn't make my top ten is because I just didn't play it enough, and it's one of those games that I, I needed you basically as as a, a Core Worlds expert, or at least someone who had read the rule book and understood it to teach it to me and when you weren't there going back to it after sort of three four five months i just found it a real chore to learn it again and it was it just put me off ever playing the game so i did i got rid of it in the end because i knew that you liked it and you would you would likely keep it but yeah a near miss for me cool it's very good game
1: i think you'd be shocked if you went back to it now about how easy it is to pick up and actually how simple the rules are having Those mechanisms now have just been, they've become part of gaming language. Yeah, Yeah, maybe, maybe.
0: My number six is Dungeons and Dragons Conquest of Nerath from Wizards of the Coast. It, It felt to me at the time that it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I just think this is a really, really clever, slick, thematic, tactical, dudes on a map game where. Yeah, you can have your fights, you can go off and do a few side quests, all set in that D&D universe, and it brought about some of those talk-about moments that you have. Oh, I remember that battle we had, and we were both down to the last this or that, and I just thought it was a really slick game, and it just flew under the radar, and you see it in bargain bins all over the place now, and I just think it's a fantastic game.
1: It is a really good game. It was just a bit odd. For a d game. And I think that most people who played it enjoyed it. It was funny in that it had elements of just dice chucking, but it also had elements of real thinkiness. And sometimes you had to really think to just have a dice chuck not go your way. And you had to be prepared for it. And I think it just... I don't know why it wasn't more popular. I think it's just an odd... You know, I just said that Core became part of gaming language. Some of the stuff in Nerath just... ...didn't become part of gaming language... ...some of the magic cards are really powerful... ...and I think it was a game that took getting used to it... ...and actually it's a funny thing with DD games... ...because I think that one, Assault of the Giants... ...was a really clever game... ...that really benefited if you played it again and again... ...and it just got no buzz whatsoever... So I think they've just been unlucky in some of the games, but I think they've had some really good designs. In terms of Nerath, he's just outside the top 10 again. It's basically, you're 6-9 to nine on my 11-14 like to 14 <laughs> games. And that's just because of that slight swinginess in two, two and a two, two-and-a-half-hour game is another thing which could leave a player very frustrated. Especially if you're playing a partnership game. If one player gets hit with that, actually, they've both lost the game. And, and, and that'll be the only thing that kept out of my top 10, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, fair dues, fair dues. What about your number five?
1: My number five is ZOPA ZOPA! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and this is a stupid stacking game. <laughs> like Sean said, building up the floor, building up, trying to move the rhino up. We became so good at it, we had to buy two sets and keep them in one box because we'd keep building them up and up and up and they'd almost get to the ceiling of the, of the rooms we'd be in and we'd be climbing up on tables at London Aboard or at gaming cons. And look everyone has these games that for their group becomes the hit that they go to and they play and they laugh and it becomes sort of their one of their fun shared experiences. And Rhino Hero, I, I brought down London Aboard one time Got people to play at the end of the night and that was it. It took off and for about, I don't know, maybe two years, it was the thing to do if if you were just going to have a bit of a giggle with people. So this one is probably my nostalgia one. Lots of fond memories, lots of very good times. But Ryan the Hero is my number five for 2011.
0: Uh, I knew it would be up there somewhere. I, I thought maybe top three even because I know you really enjoyed it. Especially with well, when the you see my
1: When you listen to my top three, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know you love all those things. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So,
0: yeah, Super Rhino, Ronan's number five. My number five is another D&D game, and I've cheated a little bit, Ronan. Oh, I've, no. I've, yeah, I've well, I've put the, the system in, because D&D, Wrath of a Shardlon, and Legend of Drist both came out in the same year. So I know that Wrath of Rashadlon is is mechanically and technically the stronger, more solid game. And it's it's reckoned by most to be the best of that series. But Legend of Drist, I just love it because I've read all the RA Salvador books and I've I really enjoyed playing the characters from it. So that's why I've, I've crowbarred Legend of Drist in there. But I suppose what I'm really saying is rather Wrath of Rashadlon. Wrath of Rashadlon is a...
1: Well, I know, I know both these games uh, inside out and I'm well confused. <laughs> What are you blabbing on about? All right, both these games count
0: as one pick. Go. Okay, fair enough.
1: I really mean this, but I've thought about that. But if you double down on this, but then if you carry the three, it
0: would be that. All right, they're all part of the same system, so they're pretty much the same game. Uh, it's, It's a dungeon crawler. It's the dungeon crawler that I judge every dungeon crawler I ever play on. And I had so much fun with this system. Yes, it... It was a little bit clunky in places, and some of the later games of the system aren't very good. But going back to this, I take just that back.
1: To... Take that back. One of the later games isn't very good. I can't Only think... one.
0: I well, that one put me off, so I haven't actually managed to play any of the other ones. And it is a dun- it's the dungeon crawler that I judge all dungeon crawlers on, and I can't say I can't say bigger than that.
1: Do you judge it because it's the best, or do you judge it by the fact that that's what? A dungeon crawler should do for you and inter- I th- for me i'm just going to interpret that and, and and be a pain in the bum because the reason for me why i would judge it that way is because the ai is simple it's scripted for each monster it's different for each monster but it makes sense and it really is just dumb
0: yeah i, I found it to be a very tactical game and yeah it is it is exactly what I want out of a dungeon crawler,
1: so is it like the best of dungeon crawlers, or is it what dungeon crawlers should get to as as their aim that i they sound very similar to me. It's not the best dungeon crawler. it is a game in which I'm playing the game, I'm not fighting rules, and the AI is not a hassle, and it' never it never feels stupid. That's why I really like the system. I
0: can't think of one that I would say is definitely better than it off the top of my head. I suppose well, I suppose you're looking at Gloomhaven, but that's that's such a complex system. It's almost a Euro game rather than a than a dungeon crawler.
1: No, it's not. It's a tactical dungeon crawler. Game. Okay, well, all right, then,
0: it's not the best. Gloomhaven is the
1: best, <laughs> but it's it's. No, I wasn't trying to talk you out of it. No, I was no, no. Get like,
0: yeah, no, fair enough, but. Even being second to Gloomhaven or there might be another one in there, but still for twenty eleven, it's one of my favourite games. I still play it to this day with James, so it's still right up there for me.
1: Yeah, and I keep going back to them and I have played the later games and I can see them here. Team of Annihilation, I'm going through another campaign of it, and I've got Dungeon of the Mad Mage ready to go. Because of that simplicity and maybe I think that says a lot about us about what we want from our sort of miniature games. We don't want a couple complex combat system in which we're measuring things and uh, there's 87 different types of ammunition and and what have you. We want to just get on with playing the game and having fun and exploring and whatever. So I agree with you. And look, this is just another 11 to 15. I'm going to have to put more numbers between 11 and 15 (laughs) if you keep choosing games like this. Yeah, so
0: Dungeons & Dragons, Wrath of a Ashadlon, does what it says on the tin. It's It's a very good dungeon crawler.
1: My number four is Welcome to Walnut Growth which is another old west themed game in which you are trying to survive through two years it's a tile layer in which you're going to be building up uh, areas of, of different crop spaces different resources there's also a, a, a sort of an action selection element to it within the town and you're going to have to build shelter for your for your workers as you get them you're going to have to store resources which is very limited you're going to have to attempt to score points as you do this by handing stuff in and it's very tight and it's hard and it it makes you feel like you are struggling as a homesteader in the old west and and it's not glamorous it is what can i do what's the best i could do with the land that has been given to me as part of the land and there's always dawning disaster but it is only eight rounds and it plays in not much more than an hour and you're getting a full tight hard euro experience in that length of time and it is an absolute gem welcome to walnut grove is my number four ronan i lied to you earlier i said
0: that rune age was my number 11 it's not i really really tried hard to to crowbar walnut grove into my my list but i just haven't played it enough but from what i have seen of it I, I do, I agree. It's it's a fantastic game. I love that sort of ronda where you're going round in the circle doing the different actions that that allows you. And I sought out a copy of it. It's out of print now, very hard to get. Uh, it was being sold on a Facebook forum. I managed to get myself a copy, and I will hopefully be getting it to the table soon.
1: But yeah, very strong choice, Ron. I wonder if I kept my copy. I'm sure it's here somewhere, but thank you very much, Sean. Um, I think you I think did, because I, I, I was think thinking about stealing it, but... Yeah. Uh, what's your number four?
0: My number four, we have talked about it, is uh, the old fleet of foot captains of <laughs> Star Trek from
1: WizKids. Was that not painful enough when I tried to do it the first time?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's Star Star Trek in a box. So everyone talks about Star Wars Rebellion being Star Wars in a box. For me, this is Star Trek in a box. You've got all the different factions, all the Familiar ships and has those um, those click. I can't remember what they were called. The heroes click bases that very rarely worked, but when they did, they were good. Ronan um, or on, wow. on, on the ships to tell
1: you how much damage. I think we'll just call them hero click bases, shall we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shows you how much damage was done on the ship and the tactics cards felt like like the Federation felt like they were all about peace and exploring and bringing others in and the Klingons were very warlike and and if you got the extra expansions, the Dominion just felt like an oppressive force and the Romulans were very canny in, in what they did. So yeah, just as I said, Star Trek in a box.
1: Agreed. There we go. My number three is Pictomania. This is while it's kind of a party game. It's definitely a drawing game. But it's not a drawing game like any other game you've ever played. It's a drawing game as a very tense, competitive uh, experience whereby there's a bunch of categories laid out. It's been made easier in the new edition, by the way, because there's fewer categories, which is a bit annoying. I prefer when it's harder. But it's a bunch of categories laid out, and then everyone gets sort of a coded two cards that tells them which word they're going to draw. As they draw it... Everyone else is drawing simultaneously and you are getting more points almost for guessing than you are for other people guessing what you're drawing correctly. And there's a speed element to it. So you're trying to draw quickly and guess quickly and then be the first to finish. But if you've guessed poorly and you're the first to finish, it's going to cost you points. And there's different levels of cards. When you get to the harder levels, you're trying to draw the difference between justice, jurisprudence, law, (laughs) court judge uh, that that's sort of level of like huh or well, then they them that the like, well, how do I, I <laughs> and you but you will work out a way to do it probably only play the hard cards people that really like the game but you could just play the easy cards and it becomes a family task where you're all pointing around and guessing and oh what's that drawing over there uh, but it, it the tight competition of it and the multitasking and the tension is what makes me absolutely love Pixmania and it goes without saying Vladish Rattle's flexibility to be able to design so many good games and so many different genres is shown up by this one. It's brilliant.
0: I've never actually played it, so I, I've always wanted to because it just seems like the big daddy of like things like Pictionary
1: or Telestrations
0: or things like that.
1: Do you know what? There's, there's a rule on this podcast that you can't mention any drawing game without saying, at some point, things like Pictionary and Telestration. is <laughs> like a sentence.
0: Well, they're the it's only like two drawing games I've ever played. So
1: Doodle Rush. I don't know. There's I've other never played games. Doodle Rush.
0: As I've mentioned, as Rodan's pointed out, in the past, I really enjoy a game of Pictionary, especially around no. Christmas. Yeah. And yeah, I would be. I'd, I. can't believe I've never played this.
1: I've I got a feeling you'd hate it. Because you don't have time to draw your own thing. It's 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 very you have to be really quick.
0: Wait, if I can't put my Bob Ross wig on and draw something... You're
1: still in my hair. <laughs> You're number three, Sean.
0: <laughs> okay, so the number four mark actually was was the seal where that once I went past five, it, these are all games that are way up in my top 50. So this, that's why I think one of the reasons this is a great year. And number three for me is Letters from Whitechapel. I've always been a little bit obsessed about the Jack the Ripper mysteries and who was it and what the, and who could it possibly have been and how did he get away with it and what have you. So Letters from Whitechapel was an obviously obvious game for me to try at the time, and I just loved. The one one against many sort of thing where one player is Jack the Ripper and they're trying to commit the atrocities that he did and try to get away from the police and everybody else is the police officers, and you have to work together to sort of tighten the net down on, down on Jack the Ripper. Yeah, it might have been a slight riff on Scotland Yard but I think so much superior to that. There's genuine tension, genuine sort of high-five moments if you do manage to catch Jack and... I think it's a wonderful game. Letters from Whitechapel.
1: A fine game, but it could be four hours long or it could be 20 minutes long. Well, yeah. There's just that little bit to it whereby... Now, actually, I think that's better than, like, for example, Fury of Dracula... There's almost false things in there that reset the game that, that means the game's going to have to go long. So I don't mind it so much. I've just, it's not always gone down brilliantly in games I've played of it. We've always had amazing fun playing it. Not everyone I've always played it with has had amazing fun playing it. So I really like the game. And I, I okay, there's a new number called uh, Point Teen, and, and that's between 11 and 15. Yeah, no,
0: it's, it's, yeah, Point yeah. Teen.
1: This oh, is my point teenth game. I
0: can't I can't believe this has made your point teen.
1: I know. <laughs> it's a special moment for everyone involved. Okay. My number two. And we talked about it not very long ago with Dan Hughes, so I'm not gonna say any more than it's Castles of Burgundy, CR Feld episode. It's tactics and strategy blended together into just over an hour of greatness. And uh it's just it's just brilliant. Castles of Burgundy is my number two.
0: I've just realised I forgot Castles of Burgundy.
1: I was like, I was going to say it, it has to be your one or two. But I was going to let you say it. You it clown!
0: It would have. It would have been my number five.
1: Only five. Yeah,
0: I'm shocked. It, it would have been my number five because number two. Oh,
1: that's good though. That that makes it your pink game. Pink game, because uh, that would fit in between one to five.
0: There you go. So it's my
1: pink. You like... <laughs> your point game. is... Kind of... oh, I don't know. Should we just get to your not really not? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I've got a habit of doing this. And my number two, we also discussed with Dan Hughes. It is a Trajan from Hook and Renegade Games. Very, very new to me. So maybe that's why it's so high up. But I think Trajan is a fantastic game. Feld his very best. It was my top Feld game. So yeah, Trajan was an obvious choice for me.
1: It's really weird how I chose a really good Feld game for number two and you didn't. No, No, I didn't. I didn't choose... The Oracle of Delphi, mate. It's Trajan. No, yeah, yeah, no. You did. did. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My number one and one of the greatest games off all time, and about to get a new some sort of edition is the superhero cooperative card game, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Get out of here! I love me a card game. I love me a co-op game. I love me a superhero theme, and this is in buckets mechanically i'm sorry i like marvel lcg this is miles ahead of it each hero has its own deck there's no deck builder or anything like that there's no even deck construction you just get the hero as a deck play it and yet within that there is tons and tons of variety and as the expansions came out and the heroes became more complicated in some type, then then there was multiple ways to play the same hero they didn't just have the one trick and you were able to adapt a hero to the environment and especially the villain you found yourself against because it's a bunch of players attempting to take down a villain in an environment and the environment is a bunch of different decks and the villains is a bunch and they've got their own deck as well with minions in there or equipment or it might be an eight-year-old girl who's having dreams and you have to the dreams are attacking the girl you've got to keep her alive while still defeating all their dreams or it could be a time-traveling bandit or it could be a bunch of villains against a bunch of heroes or it could be in the end of the ultimate villain that we're all getting together to fight off and there is so much variety in this game and how they got it to all work is beyond me even the boring beating akash butter the 200 hit point massive plant that never hits you it just takes forever to beat it down (laughs) the worst villain in the game by the way this is like it was made for me a complicated card interaction co-op with tons going on there is an incredible but not cheap app version now. To get all of it is going to cost you quite a few pounds or, or dollars or wherever you are. But to me, totally worth it. One of the greatest board games ever designed, car games, is Sentinels of the Multiverse. It is just fantastic.
0: Sentinels of the Multiverse. It is the game that springs to mind whenever you hear that question. What, what's the game that everybody else loves that you
1: absolutely hate? And I but I don't think so. No, no. I, there's plenty of people that hate it. There's,
0: there's, there's it is a marmite. <sighs> okay, but there's a lot of fan, fan boys out for it, and you're one of them. And I like you. I love my comic books. I, I collected comic books for years and years and years, but I've still got a massive collection. I love comic book films, and I, I really wanted to love this game, but I just found it. It was, it was tedious. It was fiddly. I found the choices were, were kind of obvious. and Your characters were almost laid out for you. Maybe I played the more, the simpler versions, but the, just the sheer fiddliness of it just made me never, ever want to play and it. Very rarely I get angry from just playing a game, and this was one of the ones that did it.
1: You did used to get angry playing it. I did. Why did it anger you? Come on, let's, let's talk about your
0: feelings. <laughs> let's talk about my feelings. It was just too fiddly and too obvious, and I just never having fun playing it.
1: How can you like Trajan and not certain the Multiverse? Because I,
0: I have class and taste.
1: Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Do you know what? Lots of people are going to agree with you, and they're going to look at this and go, yeah, Trajan, great, and certain of the Multiverse awful. <laughs> but, but for me, I just adore it, and still regularly, regularly play I've got the huge black box with all the content in, which they said was going to be the last one, but now there's some sort of refined version coming out, and, you know, pfft, whatever. I'm still waiting on a weird version. They made a deal with... Uh, I think it's green ronin rpg and they have got their own superhero rpg license and they licensed the system certain as the multiverse and there was going to be a standalone sentinels game in that universe and something went horribly wrong between the two companies but it's still supposed to be coming as a kickstarter from many years ago i still haven't got
0: there you go. I, I I am impressed by that big black box full of stuff. That's it. That is an impressive oh, looking. Because it's bit. black,
1: and then you open it up, and it's all comic book. art. Yeah, it's like, it's that's all, quality. That and is nice. And, oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot.
0: My number one is in my top five of all time, and it is Eclipse from Pellet to Pelletto. Fi. Mm-hmm. I just think that this is a brilliant union between theme and mechanics or mechanisms. I absolutely love it. It's, it's a 4X exploration game. But it's also a Euro game where you're, you've are you got that economy going. And if you're from Peter, you have to pay Paul. And you've got the excitement of exploring things. And there's battles and... Yeah, I just think it's almost a perfect game for me. It's just that uh, it's got that, it tickles the Euro side of me, it tickles the Ameritrust side of me. And for me, it's one of the greatest games ever created. And they've done a second edition now, which takes all the fiddliness out of it with all the little cubes, because you just start off with, with the game trays already in place. And it's made it even better. But even back then, Eclipse was right up there for me.
1: In the end of 2012, this probably would have been my number two game of 2011 and was right, I think it was in my top 10 games of all time. And uh, two things kind of happened to it. For plays, for me on the board, it became kind of luck got into it a bit much and draw of a tile and people would draw and, and meet the ancients and they'd get a load of bonuses for it. And I draw like something with nothing in it or the odd planet. And I started being like, oh, the, I kind of feel like, small things are deciding this four hour long game and that's not how i want it to be and then really the death knell for eclipse was that they they put out the app and as some board games have discovered and others haven't but some have that some systems are just not suited to hundreds and hundreds of plays because the flaws will show up that would never have shown up in playtesting or thousands of plays or tens of thousands of plays and uh this is one of them And it became that glass cannon strategy. And then once people knew about it, you couldn't play a game of it, that people weren't doing it. And then everyone was just in a rush to get the same thing, to get to the same center tile, to do the same things. And it fell apart. And I was hoping they'd change it up a bit more for Eclipse ClipSecond edition, to be honest with you. So it's a game that's really faded. But even so, I still have memories of how great a game it was. I still rate it highly. I think they almost shot themselves in the foot by letting that app come out.
0: Yeah, I remember we uh, us having that discussion back in, back in the day and I've never played the app, I never intend to play the app and I don't want to know about this strategy, but I do think they've addressed it in the second edition. They've uh, and they've addressed the the random nature of what comes out and the random nature of the uh, ancient aliens there's more of them effectively for you to so everyone gets a, a piece of the action. But yeah, that was my number one eclipse. Now, I had a Fair few near misses on this one. There was games galore for me.
1: I forgot. I didn't keep all my notes, I'm like I'm an idiot. So I'm glad that you mentioned a load that were near misses for me. Go on, keep going. I'll, I'll let you. All know right. It. So
0: some Go of my near misses. Now it's maybe a little bit of a cheap Dixit Odyssey came out in, in 2011. Uh, cheap. It's just Dixit effectively. Disc World more Pork. I, th- I really enjoyed the game. And even more so, I enjoyed the theme behind it, and I thought it did a really well at bringing that Discworld world to bear in the board game world.
1: I'm glad that was the second take and you you said great theming whereby they were you' using a lot of the Discworld things being funny terrible game just <laughs> what an, a oh, terrible game it was a terrible it was fun for three quarters of it, and then my job was to stop you from winning. Your job was to stop Natalie. Natalie's was to stop Rachel's, and Rachel's was to stop me. Now, if you got good enough, where people started to be able to fake out what they were attempting to do to win, then it could be a really fun game. You really didn't know what everyone was going for, but then it became a bit of a much-muchness, and if anyone had the sergeant, they would see it out. And and then it died again. So it was close to being a really good game, but it, it just the end game killed it for me. It just... Yeah, If I if I wanted to do what I wanted to do to try and win, and I let Sean win, then it would be my fault and I'd get told off by the other two players. And that was no fun for me.
0: Uh, I actually played Nanty Narking the other day, which is uh, the re-implementation of this. Uh, what,
1: with the Evil Immigrants? The Evil Immigrants.
0: <laughs> and That's uh, a, yeah, amazing nice production, TV. but exactly the same game. Exactly the same game. Same, same issues that we, we both had with this one. Uh, only
1: with, with more issues
0: well with more issues, with more issues actually no it don't, the immigrants are evil per se they just uh,
1: they're negative
0: they just take up space yes
1: immigrants take up <laughs> you're getting the theme that you're describing aren't you immigrants take up valuable space uh, uh, no let's call them something else shall we alright uh,
0: well given that we are we are sired from immigrants ourselves uh, Belfort's how was that not in your top 10? I fell out of love with it a little bit.
1: You loved that
0: I game. did love that game for a long, long time, but then it just started feeling very samey every game. It didn't really change up, and eventually I traded it away. I don't own it anymore. Yeah, Belfort. I'm
1: shocked after once owning about eight copies of it <laughs> once.
0: <laughs> just the two, but yeah, that's why we yeah. call it Belforts. Uh, Kingdom Builder. Not everyone's cup of tea, but I thought it was a pretty good little game.
1: I think it's better than pretty good. And that was definitely a near miss for me. I really like Kingdom Builder. I just uh was surrounded by grumpy people who didn't want to play it. Did that? I? Well, I played it quite a few times with Paget. I have played it quite a lot, Kingdom Builder. Yeah. I do like it. It's one of those games that I keep seeing and I keep being like, Do you know what? I want to get Kingdom Builder because I want to play it and I like it and it's but it's always not quite cheap enough or I'm always like, <laughs> yeah, but it's a game that I'm not gonna keep, so I'm paying £30 to buy it to get rid of it. I
0: think it is that one that kind of suffers from its reputation a lot of people just took against it I think and a lot of people thought oh yeah it must be a bad game and started not playing it so
1: the luck of the draw thing again this was one that was discussed recently on something or other I don't know what it was but the luck of the draw thing someone said well just have two cards because you know you can get stuck with like, especially near the beginning of the game it's not really your fault you get stuck with a bad card yeah You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. Like the one card I really liked it Because So in Kingdom Builder There's different terrains And You get a random Pull of a card And that tells you What terrain you've got To place your next houses on And there's different Scoring things And where you go so How you're going to score And you've got to create Chains and stuff like that But if sometimes You get a bad terrain one Or a good one Is even better If you're not next to something but That's usually for good play Then you can create Another area somewhere else On the board so Anyway There's another one That's been discussed recently It's was quite interesting So a tiny little change Can Can ease some of the sour taste people have from it
0: and last but not least a wee little card game that at least back in the day we both really really liked and it's Omen Reign of War
1: amazing game Rachel refuses to play me at (laughs) it because I beat her at it once that's what sort of a mean person she is but um this, this again, definitely near-miss, and th- what this has suffered from is that I haven't got it played in a long, long time. So much. So I probably wasn't able to give an intelligent commentary on it, other than I really, really loved it, but it was mean. Exactly,
0: yeah, it was it was mean, but exactly that. Yeah, I remember the artwork, especially with the second edition that came out, the artwork being really, really gorgeous, and us having loads of fun playing it, but then, yeah, both of us kind of put it down at the same time and for various reasons just didn't get it played for ages, so... Yeah, still a very good right. game. And that, that's it.
1: That's it for me. A lot of good games. I just think that 2011 missed the absolute highlights, that's all.
0: I think it had, as I said, I think it had four absolute highlights in my list. I think I think the fact that we both had different lists, right, I think that it shows that it was a good year. Okay, so that, that was 2011. I hope, we hope you enjoyed it. As always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there. And to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore, if you wish to catch us on social media, go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at GamePitPodcast. To contact us, our email address is thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. And we've also got our Board Game Geek Guild. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron.
1: 2011 boy
0: 2011 boy